Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way podcast. I'm Mallory. And I'm Carol. And we're so happy that you guys are joining us today. Our episode today, we are going to be talking about the parable of the sower, which we find in Matthew. So we're really excited to talk about this parable today. Um, but before we get into it, Carol, I know that you just went on vacation. How about you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> sure. Um, we did. You know, we went to Oklahoma and actually <laughs> I was at a wedding before that. And I remember I ran into my, well, I didn't run into him. He was there. My nephew was there. Who's only just a few years younger than me. And he's like, where are you going on vacation? I'm like, Oklahoma. And he's like, Oklahoma. Why are you vacationing from Colorado to Oklahoma? But our dear friends, um, Tracy and Scott, they have a lake house there, and they're so generous and so gracious, and uh, we've gone there for a couple years now, and we go, and it's a whole lot of fun nothing. You know, you're fishing, you're swimming, you can boat, you can read, it's just totally um, checking out. And so we had a really great time, great family time, great friend time, it was wonderful, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds so good. You seem really refreshed, too. Very I peaceful. Am. You probably I needed it. I am. I did so need fun. it. I love summer. I feel like I always at least have a few things planned. We're going in a week. We're going to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. My grandma rented out a massive house. It has, nice. like, a pool inside of it. And me and all of my cousins are going. And some of my cousins I haven't seen or, like, hung out with in, like, five years or something. And we're all close, but we just oh. grew up in different states. And we're all having babies now. So it'll be chaos. But there will be, like, 20 of us in It'll this be house. like your Bible study group. <laughs> it'll be the, like that. With all the little kids running around. <laughs> That's true. At least I'm used to it. I think the right. ones who don't have kids will be really overwhelmed. <laughs> but it'll be so fun. That so. sounds fun. Yeah, I just love summer vacations. But... Yeah, so anyways, like we said, we're going to be starting this series on the different parables. And, you know, we may have read these maybe once or twice, but, you know, so these parables, they just have such a rich meaning. So we thought it'd be really fun just to dig into these a little bit more. You know, what is the heart behind these stories that Jesus is trying to get at as he's telling them? And really, what can we learn from them or even apply to our own lives today? How do, how do they mm -hmm. apply to us? <clears throat> No, I love this idea because there are such great parables and um, we don't really talk about parables very much. I mean, people might touch upon them here and there, but uh, it's going to be fun to go into them a little bit. And, um, you know, I think maybe something, some feedback we've gotten on our podcasts, and I think Christians, we have a tendency to do this, is we speak Christianese, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to try to explain some of these words a little more. So um, I think before we start is... Maybe let's explain to our listeners what a parable even is. Mm -hmm. You know, some of you out there might truly understand that term parable, but others might not. So let's just cover it just in case. So uh, the word parable actually in the Greek, because the New Testament is written in Greek, it means similitude and it denotes a quote, placing beside. So in other words, a parable signifies uh, a placing of one thing beside another. In other words, to offer a comparison. And so the point of the parable is to offer a comparison or in Jesus's case, he always offers a spiritual lesson. And there are parables all throughout the Bible, actually, not just in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, they may not be explicitly mentioned as, hey, this is the parable of whatever, as it is like how Jesus explains it. 
But in the Hebrew text, which is what the Old Testament is written in, those parables are there. Now, with Jesus, though, his parables, what's interesting is most frequently they convey truths that are connected with the subject of the kingdom of God. So when you read the parables, the comparison he's making is with the kingdom of God and something we can relate to in our lives. So as we go through a few parables in the next few episodes of this podcast, you're going to see that this is the point actually being made in the parables that we're going to be talking about. The point he's making is all about the kingdom of God. And that's exactly the case in today's parable. And the other thing about his parables, Mallory, is, and for those of you listening, you may not like to hear this, but it's true nonetheless, is that Jesus withholding the meaning of parables from his hearers, as he did from some of the multitudes, it was a divine judgment upon the unworthy. See, a parable hides the truth from unbelievers and reveals the truth to the soft-hearted, as you'll notice in the parable today, the parable of the sower, because it's the fourth soil mentioned is the kind of soil that his word is planted in. And so when Jesus would speak in parables, like he said, there are some that it's going to be really hard for them to understand. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so it's just interesting to know a little bit about parables first before we start. Mm -hmm. So let's get going and read the parable. Yeah, that's great. So this is Matthew uh, 13. It starts at verse 3. It says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it had produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And so that's the first part of this. And then what happens is the disciples come after him and say, Jesus, what does that parable mean? Mm -hmm. Which is cool because that is what you were talking about, is that Jesus gave that explanation but then hid the meaning for those who were hungry for that, which we'll mm -hmm. see that's one of the soils that are, that they're falling on. And so their hearts were, they wanted to know, they were hungry to know. So um, then he goes on to explain it. He says, this is verse 18. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once, receives it with joy, and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall quickly away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the, choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I love this parable. And I think for starters, and you mentioned this, Mallory, we don't, we don't have to over-spiritualize this parable. It is pretty straightforward because scripture actually interprets it for us. And I love it when scripture interprets scripture, <laughs> so it doesn't make it complicated. And, you know, when we're reading um, about farmers or people sowing in the field, that 
term sower in the literal sense literally means to sow seed. But as we see in this parable, to be a sower here is metaphorical. And it's talking about sowing spiritual things. And so this case, of course, being the word of God, as it says in verse 18, where it says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, that the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And I think this is just a very, very, very important place to begin because friends, Jesus wants us to know the word of God because it's the word of his kingdom. Do you know, I mean, I've taught on this before, but his kingdom is governed by his word. That's why scripture will say in different places, things like all things are upheld by his word. So you breathing on the other end, me speaking on this end, the bird flying outside, the grass growing, the waves crashing, everything, every created thing is upheld by the word of God, by him constantly speaking. I just think that's powerful. Or when scripture says all creation heeds the great I am. All creation, visible and invisible, bows the knee to the great I am. I just love that. So you think about the, like I said, the grass, flowers, everything like that is going to fade away at some point. That's what it says. And I believe in Isaiah, the grass withers and the flower fades, right? Even we're going to fade away. It says that in the Psalms. It says our lives are like a vapor, which is uh, imagery of like steam coming off of a kettle. I mean, blink. And our lives are over that fast. I'm not trying to get morbid, but the point is, it says when you read these passages, but his word stands forever in heaven and cannot be moved. And so there's so many references to his word, but the point being his word is the constitution of his kingdom. So for this parable to open up talking about the word of God being sown, the word of the kingdom, listen, and and then how the devil, of course, he wants to quickly come and snatch it away. Well, why wouldn't he? You know, I mean, he doesn't want us to know the word. You know, friends, God's God's not going to govern his kingdom. He's going to govern it by his word. He's not going to govern it by your opinion or my opinion on a matter. God's, God's kingdom is not going to be governed by our opinion on a social issue. Far from it. And so Jesus is trying to convey a serious matter here in the opening of this parable. So what happens? That's a question for you. What happens when you hear the word of God? When you hear someone speak to you the true word of God, not a watered down version, a true version, not a version that's mixed with other worldviews, what does it do to you when you hear the true, pure, unadulterated word of God? Well, I'll tell you what it does. It cuts to the division of the soul and spirit, just like it says it will. It makes us squirm in our seat under conviction, right? Because his word is true. Because the words that, these words of scripture, when we hear the word of the kingdom, it forces us to confront our old self, old natures, in order to bring us into the new man he's created us to be, right? That's what this whole parable is about. A person's reception of God's word is determined truly by the condition of his heart. Are you going to hear a word or am I going to hear a word and we're just going to let the enemy come and snatch it away? You know, so I don't know. Jesus is, I think in this parable, he is pointing out truthfully what we actually do with his word when we hear it. 
And he actually gives four examples of that. And we just read the first one where it's, you know, it gets snatched away. But the four points he makes is you get the seed, the word falls by the wayside. Or you have seed, you get it, and it falls in stony places. Or or you get seed and it fell among the thorns. Or you get seed and some of it falls on good ground and actually yields a crop. And so I just wanted to start with that because I'm very passionate. I know you are too, Mallory, about his word and how important it is for us to understand the power of his word, especially in a time right now where so many people are compromising the word of God. So anyway, so let's, let's talk about these four. I'll let you uh, take it from here. Okay. That's great. But Carol, I'm just so glad that you opened up with that. I think that was so important and just gives us a really great lens of how important it is, how we hear this word. So thank you for that. You'll just love your passion for the word too. I think it's so important. Um, but let's talk about that first seed so that it's that seed or the word that comes in, like Carol said, it falls by the wayside and that's where the word of God, it comes, but people just don't understand it. And Satan comes and he snatches away what was sown. And so in this situation, the reason why that person, why they can't understand the word is because their heart is so hardened by their sin and their focus. It's on the world. They're so tangled up in their sins. And worst of all, they don't even know that they're living a life of sin. And because of that, the gospel, it doesn't even make sense to them. I mean, why in the world would they need a savior if in their minds, they don't need to even be saved by anything. Mm -hmm. They don't recognize their sin. And because of that, their heart becomes so hardened. And for me, I can think of dozens of conversations. I'm sure you can too. And I'm sure a lot of people out there listening of people that I just come across where, you know, I'll say something about Jesus or maybe share a testimony Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's just no response. There's more of just, I can feel their desire just to move on to another conversation. You know, Jesus, he's not appealing to them. And I'm, yeah. So in those situations though, I think it's really important to remember that we really are only in charge of spreading those seeds. For me, I can um, want to control things and like, why don't you understand her? You know, just like <laughs> right. kind of become frustrated um, when I, but we are supposed to share the words and truth of Jesus and we just can't control the ground that it lands on. But what we can do is that we can pray for these people. I think that's such a good reminder. And you know, there's a verse in Ezekiel 36, 26. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I just love that verse. I think that's yeah. such a good promise and just such a reminder. Like we literally get a new spirit, a new heart and to get this heart of flesh. And so that is such a good verse to pray over ourselves and over others whose hearts have been hardened by sin because they can hear the gospel all day long. But if the ground of their hearts are hard, there's no way that they can even accept the message of salvation. Um, But before I move on to the next one and totally exempt all of us from having this awful hardened heart, you know, we as believers can absolutely fall into this as well. I fall into it all the time, you know. Maybe we're saved and we've accepted that salvation message, but our sanctification, it will be worked out for the rest of our lives here on earth. And so God is always uh, giving us these messages or seeds that he's trying to transform us so we can look more like his image. 
And just because, like I said, we accepted that salvation, that doesn't mean that we're not rejecting or understanding those words that God is trying to speak to us. So I think it's so important that we as believers, I need to do this, that we guard our hearts as well from being hardened. And so I think that's a good reminder that we are to pray for others, but we're also to pray for ourselves that our hearts aren't hardened so that we can hear his message that he's trying to speak to us because he's speaking to us every single day. He is so near to us. And so it's not just a one-time thing. You know, when you were talking about the hard heart and then he gives you a soft heart, right? Yeah. It made me think of, we've taught on Pentecost. I know I'm going digressing for just a moment, (laughs) but we do these visual aids where we have a rock and we have one of those squishy balls. Remember at the retreat? And we have a squishy ball. So if you if you have little kids at home or you have a, or you have a squishy ball, stress ball, try to try to, you know, just, it's just a good visual, put a rock in your hand, put Mm -hmm. that squishy ball in your hand and just really start asking yourself, which heart is mine to receive the word? Mm -hmm. Is it soft and pliable for the word? Um, or is it hard like that rock? I just Mm -hmm. think that's a great visual. It just made me think of it. And it probably, you're probably looking at me like, why are you talking? (laughs) But I just think it's a good visual if you're at home and you're just trying to you know, understand where you're at on it. Mm-hmm. So, And it makes me think of that verse. I don't know where it is. Isaiah, maybe search my heart and know me. God mm-hmm. test my anxious thoughts. And he knows our hearts. And I think that's such an important thing is to ask. Yeah. Like you said, God, where's my heart? What, where, what is the state of my heart right now? Test mm-hmm. me. So yeah, I think that's good. Um, so then that next part is the seed that falls on rocky ground. And it refers to someone who they hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But then since, because they have no root, it really only lasts a short time. And because trouble and persecution come, they fall away quickly. So Carol, do you want to expand on this one? Oh, golly. Yeah. Um, you know, it makes me think of, I worked in a couple really large churches and, um, one in Georgia, one here and, I think that's something we saw quite often, you know, especially in certain environments of church where people are caught up in the emotion of an experience. And so, and it, which is fine, um, it, you know, if they want to, you know, if that's how they draw close to the Lord. But then it really, we did see this so much where um, people would come to church um, and they would be so excited, so filled with joy, fired up about a message when they're leaving. But truly when, um, and whatever it was that was firing them up, whether it was the personality, whether it was the message, the word, but inevitably we would see a pattern of all of a sudden we wouldn't see people for a while, or all of a sudden they would come because they would be really struggling. And what was happening is uh, whether, um, you know, they experienced a conflict. Maybe they experienced a conflict within the church. Maybe they experienced a conflict within a new Bible study they just tried to join, or um, or something personal was going on. Um, the emotion of church wasn't getting them anywhere. They needed the word in order to stand on, in order to muscle through the struggle that they were in. And so, what happened is, you know they would start to pray, but because you always like to say this, we're a microwave culture where we kind of want things instantaneous, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't see answer to prayer right away. So then all of a sudden the doubt comes in, where's God? Is God real? God's not listening to me. God's letting me down, whatever you can fill in the blank. 
And so then all of a sudden they're discouraged with God. They're discouraged with their faith. They're discouraged with the church because they don't feel like the church is giving them answers. And the next thing you know, that word that was planted in that received with joy is now gone because there was no root. And I think that's the danger we fall into today is so many people are caught up into an emotional Christianity Mm -hmm. and, uh, and not really having themselves truly planted in the word of God, because the word, yes, it's joyful and we do receive it with joy, but the word is also very serious. It is designed to change us. It's designed to make us stronger. It's designed to turn us into the image of Christ who endured all things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so I just think that's, that's what comes to mind when I think of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a true and, really sad reality too. And I see it a lot too at different churches. And I think that's just how it's become. I think that we've lost that recognition of the word and like you were saying. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but that next one is, um, the one who receives the seed, but then the thorn comes and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of it, it just chokes the word out of them. And because of that, they become unfruitful. And so with this one, this one makes me really sad because I'd say that this was me for the longest time. I can really resonate with that. You know, when I was in high school, I was going to a church and um, it was one of those things where I was like, God, I want to follow you and I want this life, but I'm going to go to college and I'm going to do my own thing. It was the, it was the things of this world and the desires that I wanted to go after. Um, I'm so grateful because I realized that there, this world really has nothing. So I'm so grateful that I came to this honestly rock bottom moment. Um, but I would say that that feeling of God, I'll follow you someday, but right now I'm not going to do this. I would say that that is a lot of people in the church. Wouldn't Mm -hmm. you say so Carol, like Mm -hmm. people who they go to church on Sunday, but their lives are in no way submitted to God and they haven't, and they just live their own pleasures of their life from Monday through Saturday. Mm -hmm. You know, I I keep hearing the verses you were talking, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what so many people are drawn to. Mm -hmm. We, um, you know, we are a, a culture that is daily distracted and the distractions aren't always healthy. And it can be a distraction from financial pressures. It can be the the distraction of just other fun things going on around us that we want to partake in. We will find, we, we can spend hours at a football game or hours watching hockey. We just came through that in Colorado, win the Stanley Cup, right? But boy, oh boy, ask someone to spend hours in the word or ask someone to, you know, stay at church longer than an hour and, and people struggle. You know, you can go to a, you know, here in Colorado, you have Red Rocks, a big famous amphitheater. It's just down the street from us. And you can go there and go to a concert and everybody's raising their hands and woohoo, you know, having a good time. But seeing anybody worship and raise their hands at church, it's a whole nother thing. And so I just think we're, we are a very distracted culture. We are putting so many other things ahead of what's really important. And um, the other thing too, is I think life interrupted, you know, we turn on the news, we see the condition of the world and we are, our life is interrupted and distracted by what's going on around us. And for some of us, it's jobs, it's things going on with family life with, um, you know, just anything. And so 
Yeah, I, you know, it is. The world is, you know, it's those weeds that come in that want to choke us out. And, um, and it's really quite sad. And so it takes friends, it, it takes a lot of effort, you know, to, to draw close to God. It really takes a lot of effort to get to know him. You know, you put efforts into other relationships, right? But what about his, you know, and it's going to cost you something, Mm -hmm. period. It's going to cost, it's going to cost you something. And so, you know, what are you willing to give up? You know, and, and that's the question because something's choking out your relationship with the Lord. Only you know what it is. And so what are you willing to sacrifice in order to cultivate that, to make sure nothing is choking out your relationship? So, I mean, it can be, we could sit and talk about this one for days because it can be a list a mile long, but those are just some things that come off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so good. And for me, I would say you commented on this, the distraction. I think it is one of the most deceitful spirits in that's attacking the church. And it is, I mean, there's actual things as well. We have physical phones, you know, like Mm -hmm. it comes, I mean, the other day I was wanted to read my Bible, got a text that came in. It was nighttime, got a text that came in. 15 minutes later, I'm scrolling through. I'm like, oh, it's bedtime. I got to go to bed now. I mean, it, and it uh-huh. totally took it away. And it is, like you said, it'll cost you. But I think it comes up so sneaky, too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, it's not, it's harmless checking a text, you know, but is it really? It's a time waster. All of a sudden you're on social media and you've wasted an hour. Yeah. That you can never get back. Yeah, it's so true. Mm-hmm. So I think that we need to be aggressive against that as well. And, figure out how do we get this out of our lives? I've just learned some ways to figure out how to, I just found some settings on my, this is just a little hint on my iPhone of um, turning off. My phone is off at a certain point and there's time limits on things. And um, so I think just going after that is really so important. I'm glad that you said that it will cost you something. Um, And then the last part of that we have is that person who they receive the seed on the good ground and they hear the word, they understand it and they bear fruit and they produce some of a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30 fold of fruit. And so, you know, don't we all yearn to be this? You know, I know I do. And this is, this really is so possible. It's hard. And I think that word that you said, it will cost you. And I think so sometimes so easily, I'm glad we're going over this, that we can easily put us into that last category. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's totally me because I, I believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. But how much are you really producing? Are you producing that 30, 100? I mean, maybe ask the Lord and evaluate, evaluate yourself. Where am I falling into these things? Where's my heart? I know for me, just to be honest, it's that distraction mm-hmm. that comes in. So, um, yeah. No, I think, I think you've hit it spot on. You know, you have to want him, (laughs) you know, and you have to be hungry. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. And so if you hunger after him, uh, and you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And so, and that's good soil and he can do something with that. And you don't, and, and, and that 30, 60, a hundred, you know, um, we haven't talked about the parable of the talent yet, but you know, just produce something, he can take what you've given. He can, he can do something with you. You, you have a lot to offer, uh, the world for the kingdom of God. And it's not going to look like the person next to you who might be like knocking it out of the park. You don't, don't compare. Don't, don't, don't fall into that, uh, that struggle of comparison, you know, just, just start and then just start doing little things day by day and produce 
fruit of the 30, you know, it starts somewhere. Um, but you have to want it. And people, you can listen to every podcast under God's green earth. You can read every book. You can attend another Bible study or whatever, but you, you have to want him. And only then when that desire changes, will your whole walk with him change. That's so good. That's such a good last word because I, I feel convicted myself. So you can, you can just feel mine like, come on, Valerie, produce some fruit. But I loved what you said. Like, don't compare. And yeah, the parable of the talents too, which like you said, we'll go into. So yeah, I think I'd love to just and close out by praying for everyone. I yeah, think that we all good. need prayer for this. And I also will say too, I just uh, remembered when I was a new believer, I remember I'd go to church or I'd read something and um, all of a sudden I felt like what I learned was gone and it wasn't applicable in my life. And the Lord just stopped me one time and said, Mallory, every time, this seems really simple, but for me it was, um, it really changed my walk. But you know, he said, anytime you learn something or something hits your spirit, I'm really speaking to you. You know, he said, sit in it. Mm -hmm. journal about it, process it. Don't just move on to the next thing. And I think that's part of keeping our soil, um, keeping us on good soil. Mm -hmm. So take this and go pray about it. Go, um, go journal about it. So yeah, Lord, we just thank you so much for this parable. God, we thank you that you haven't made things so confusing. All we have to do is ask for more understanding and more clarity. And Lord, I pray that this word does go so deep into our hearts Mm -hmm. Lord and God, that you just continue to speak to us. God, you say that if we ask for wisdom, you will give it. And that is such an amazing promise. And so, God, I come against the hard hearts. Lord, would you soften our hearts? Mm -hmm. God, I come against the desires of this world. God, will we desire you so much more? God, would we, it will cost us something. Lord, would you give us the strength? We can't even muster up our strength, but you can. God, give us the strength to want you more than the desires Mm -hmm. of this world that are coming at us every single day. And Lord, I pray against distraction, God, that we would choose you, God, that we would, that you open up our eyes and show us the death that comes from distraction. And so God, I bless everyone who's out there, who's listening to this today. And yeah, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And um, yeah, just look forward to doing more of the parables with you. And if you guys have any questions or anything, um, you guys can email us at preparetheway at jcmcolorado.org. Until next time, you guys. Oh.com. Prepare the way at jcmcolorado.com. All right. Okay. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye.